everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode number 13, Gattaca. I am Gavin. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And basically we're four lads from Liverpool who love to sit around and bitch about films. You could say that we're Jerry and the filmmakers. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's better. It's yeah. an improvement. De- on- I, I can't believe it took that long for us to do that one. Actually. Based yeah. on recent weeks, that is definitely a step in the right direction. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much, guys. But hold your praise because they're going to get significantly worse, to be honest. Um, if you if you heard me say we're four lads from Liverpool and you also heard the amount of introductions that we did, you may think that I have miscounted, but no, I haven't. Unfortunately, Joel isn't very well today. He's got a poor stomach, so he's uh, sitting at home. And we have a replacement, though, so don't worry. Uh, as always, we are joined by our fantastic music producer, Austin Ray, and he's going to be stepping into Joel's really small shoes this week. <laughs> and he's going to be picking up the mantle of the judge. So hello, Austin. Hello, everybody. Right. Well, thank you. I expected you to talk a bit like <laughs> It's fine. So if you've never heard this, this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's simple as that. I'll go into a bit more detail later on, but there's also going to be lots of banter, jokes and news, a caption contest and some quizzes as well, aren't there, Dave? Yeah, there might be a quiz or two, yeah. yeah. But before we start with the bulk of the show, I think we're going to do our regular topic, which is... The news. So hang on, guys. Like that? Oh, yeah, nice. We're tying it in Magaska. Yeah, I struggled big time to find a song that was related to NASA or space exploration. Really? Well, yeah, well, apart from, apart from I mean, that. Apart from that one. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I could have played uh, Space, Space Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, well, well. Where were you guys? Like, 15 minutes ago, we were struggling to find a song. Anyway, so what we're going to do is we're just going to go around in a circle and we're going to talk about newsworthy topics that have happened this week or the past two weeks because we have, actually haven't recorded for a while. But, uh, Dave, is there anything that you want to discuss first? Uh, I know it may be a bit of low hanging fruit, but I was going to mention uh, the new Martin Scorsese uh, is doing a film with the Joker an origin story of the Joker well he's, he's producing it at any rate I don't, mm. he's not writing he's not directing but he's involved in some way shape or form and that, that's quite exciting yeah definitely so what an origin of how the Joker came about so what we gather is it's in the early early stages I think they're still penning it as we speak to be honest so it's very early stages but it, having him on board you know I don't really associate him with yeah, with comic book films. I mean, I know there's a hell of a market for those at the moment but I, this is a new name to be tied into a comic book franchise so crucially it's I just don't want Jared Leto to do it again. Well, is he doing it? Again? Already it's, ruled out. Yeah, no, already ruled out. Already ruled out. It's completely separate yeah. from the DC universe. Oh, how, so, really? How? Jared Leto will be playing the Joker again. I think they're doing a Harley Quinn spin-off or yeah. something like that, and he's going to be reprising the Joker in that. But this, they want a younger Joker. So it's going to have to be someone. I'm guessing in their twenties, because Jared, Jared Leto's only I, I, late thirties. So he? hang on, I didn't. I wouldn't think they'd have the rights to make another Joker film if. DC of no, am I right? I've got no idea how it's contained or how it's it's not with the DC universe, but it is separate from what's going on. I think mm-hmm. fair enough. It depends on. It seems to be character based. There are certain characters that are allowed to like swap over franchises. People don't have the rights to some of them. Some of them are like interesting freehold, as it were. Okay, but, uh, so there won't yeah. be a Batman. I'm guessing. Uh, no. I wouldn't have thought at this stage. I'd be no. surprised if there was. But uh, what I was reading is you mentioned that they're looking for a younger actor to play the Joker. But it was rumoured that they were trying to get Leonardo DiCaprio in. 
who is in fact older than Jared Leto. Yeah, much, much older. <laughs> they actually made a joke on Twitter saying, oh, you know, Martin Scorsese's going to be producing, so how long will it be until we see Leonardo DiCaprio's name rumoured? And I think it was like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they've already landed a director. It's going to be uh, Todd Phillips of Hangover fame. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Which again, it's a new name being thrown into the superhero franchise. I mean, yeah. I, I associate him with comedies, really. Martin, yeah, bad know. comedies are there. <laughs> well, now, let's, let's, not go, let's not go over that one again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, hang on, because I think, didn't he di- direct, I actually know who directed um, Lego Batman? Not him. Not, not him. No, because uh, I thought at one stage it was the director of Lego Batman that was rumoured, so I thought, oh. That would be weird yeah. to have Lego Batman direct a serious Joker film, though. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, definitely. So, no. Oh, no, I'm lying to you completely. <laughs> I am lying to you. <laughs> it was Todd Phillips. <laughs> the connection that I've made in my brain there is that uh, he, he directed a film that uh, involved Zach Galifianakis, and Zach Galifianakis played the Joker in Lego Batman. That so that's a, that a tenuous podcast for all the news. <laughs> yeah. all, all, all that's <laughs> literally like the most Rain Man-esque connection there. That was, that was some fake news. We just lost Donald Trump as a listener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay, so Alex, uh, what is your piece of news for the week? So my piece of news for the week is that um, Ed Screen or Scrine, we're still not quite sure how to pronounce it. I think he, it's Scrine. Scrine. I'm going to I'm going to go with Scrine. Uh, has uh, in the last couple of weeks he dropped out of Hellboy because he had a role as a Japanese American character, and there was a bit of a hoo ha about it because obviously he is not Japanese American, and he actually uh, pulled out himself. So he actually before I, don't, before I think before the controversy got too much. He said that it is clear that representing this character in a culturally accurate, accurate way holds significance to people, and to neglect this responsibility would continue a worrying tendency. So, it's, I mean, you know, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a joke, but, you know, it, I, I mean, it's, it's never mass- a joke. <laughs> it's massively important, you know, the uh, ethnic diversity in films, and, you know, so I, I just think that's a huge. I mean, I don't think, I can't think of any time really when an actor themselves has actually recused himself from a film because it's not you know mm. the role isn't right so yeah but he's he's now just become my favorite actor <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember reading it and thinking gav is gonna love this <laughs> yeah, new story. I, know, I know i was always thinking it has to be on the podcast so, there was another just a little tiny story that was good news as well which is that emma stone came out recently and said that some of her male co-stars often take pay cuts to make sure they've got parity with her in the, in the films, so you know, yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah. well done actors, you know, yeah, that, that's that's nice, definitely, but it shouldn't have to be the case where she has to rely on the kind of generosity of her co-stars. No, no, it true. Need, yeah, it, you know, it needs to be addressed on a bigger stage. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how accurate it was, but I was reading something a while back about gender uh, pay gaps in Hollywood films. And it was something along the lines of um, Brie Larson or somebody who had just started. I think I think it was Gal, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, is that? Okay. Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was comparing her paycheck from her first standalone film to Henry Cavall's paycheck from his first standalone oh, film. Interesting. And there was a significant difference there. Right, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I mean, whether it's a case of, well, Henry Cavall is more of an established name because he's appeared in more, so we have to pay him a bit more. I don't think that's the case. I think that was the argument that was getting bandied around, but I don't think that's the case because, I mean, no. he probably has been in a lot of things, but I, I didn't really know him from much else beforehand. So it's it's one of those things that it's, it's nice that, you know, that she has... It, it's with... a good step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it's not solved, but no. I don't know. I, just, I find it heartening that that's the way it's going and actors are getting on board, then hopefully studios will... Yeah, know. hopefully. Well, definitely with Ed, Ed Scrine. Scrine? 
we're going, we're going for Scrine. Oh, we're scrying. going for Scrine. We probably should have researched the name <laughs> beforehand, but that, that, that's really good. I think there needs to be more of that. But once again, I think it needs to be addressed on a bigger stage. I think it, it will it, before the role's even offered. It should be, yeah. Oh, hang on, we cannot do that. That's not, you know, and mm. yeah. it, it should be a case of the scriptwriters and the producers and the director kind of saying, well, actually, you know what. Uh, this character is supposed to be, especially if it's based on on already established like fiction. Yeah. If there's a story in place, say like yeah, Hellboy, yeah. It's, it's a comic book actually a Japanese American character. You can't exactly yeah. like yeah. Um, what was it, Doctor Strange? The amount of uh, uh, different Asian characters that were recast. Were they? As, yeah. Well, Tilda Swinton's character, of the Ancient One, was supposed to be. Uh, was, was, was it a man at, at some point as well? I don't know to be honest. Yeah. But you were saying on the podcast as well about uh, Aladdin. Yeah, they didn't find any actors. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the line yeah. that came out in an entire continent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's it is a massive problem. And yeah. I mean, it's that debate of yeah, well, you know, who's going to sort it out? You know, and well, until they like, you know, until they get more prominence, like minority ethnic like actors, you know, they're not going to be big draws. So it's kind of like a kind of a self, you know, it's a vicious cycle. They don't get a role. So then they don't become they, their names don't rise, and you know I don't think audiences have any problem with not seeing you know white men. Well, you know? well, this is the thing, but you know they do. I mean, you just have to look at Bollywood. Bollywood is is massive. I think it's it, it grosses more per annum than Hollywood does. Yeah, you already have some really established stars who are making severe big books, and they probably get overlooked for roles all the time because you know they're not. Chris Pratt or, you know, Chris Hemsworth or one of the other Chris's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, and it, before we go off on a tangent, yeah, it's, it's just a good job that Joel isn't here, to be honest, because <laughs> he'd be doing the old wrap it up, guys. Come on, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so so thank you very much for bringing that point up. Uh, I really appreciated that piece You're of news. You're welcome. Yeah, no, no, good news. Um, so my piece of news was that um, It, the film It, uh, we, the amount of times we've been talking this week and saying, oh, have you watched it yet? And like, you, do you mean the film or are we talking about something else? Talking about Gattaca? Or yeah, yeah no, <laughs> we mean It, the It film, the new film, has made box office history and has become officially the highest grossing horror film of all time. Uh, so, so far, it has made $123.1 million wow. in America and $185 million nationally or globally, sorry. Um, and it only cost thirty-five million to make. Fair enough. Wow! So it is engrossed. It's only thirty-five million. Apparently, that's yeah. what I was reading before. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's made a hell of a lot back. So I thought we could shoehorn in a little bit of a review here because Alex and I had a little films yeah, on trial went. outing the other night to go <laughs> watch it. Yeah, right. It's very nice. So so what what did what did you think of the film, Alex? I actually loved it. I wasn't expecting much to be honest I'm not a horror fan and I was thinking yeah you know I'll go and see it but you know I'll, I always sort of go and think right it's a horror film so you know you, I haven't got the same expectations I'll just be scared a bit um when it first started you know I think I was saying this like um about 20 minutes in I thought oh you know Gav's trained me up he's shown me some good horror films here I'm like you know I'm hard I can take you know I can take <laughs> I can take a lot of horror but they paced the scares so well, but by the end I was literally gibbering. And yeah, I had to go home and my home was empty and I was, I was terrified. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to put it out there. I was terrified. <laughs> there are some proper good scares in there that like, even now I can like, they jump back into my brain. There's just really good images where you just think that is so scary. Like, I can't believe how scary that is. So yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, see, I was a bit on the fence, wasn't it? Yeah, it was odd, wasn't it? Yeah. It, I think what it was for me is is because I, I really, obviously, I enjoyed the 1990 <laughs> mini series, which we found out last week. Uh, but also, I was a bit of a fan of the book as well, 
and I just love horror in general. Yeah. And I'm just, a, a, you know, shell of a desensitized stone man, you know. So I, I can attest to that. Like I'd be, te- I'd be jumping out my seat, genuinely, like having heart palpitations. And you could just see Gav going like, mm, "Okay," <laughs> <laughs> you know? but you know, I, I took myself away from that, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's it was actually really good. You know, the, the scares, as Alex said, were really really good. And also, it was the pacing as well. I think my main criticism about it was there was an overuse of CGI. I mean. There was a lot of instances where there was like a CGI balloon and I was thinking to myself, really, did you have to spend that much money creating a CGI balloon when a real one would have sufficed for about, you know, 10p from your local shop? It it, it was a bit much with that. And also, as you said, the pacing at first, I thought, "Mm, you know, it's a bit slow here. But as Alex said, it was paced extremely well. The fact that it's it's kind of slow at the beginning and just kind of just builds and builds and builds. And by the by the end, the, the sort of climax it is it's a fantastic of, yeah it's yeah. a fantastic end yeah scene. but it's, it's it's like one of those things if it would have been that pace throughout you would have been exhausted yeah. but my my main criticism and this isn't anything this is no spoilers because this is revealed in in the in the trailer but um it was the very first introduction of pennywise the clown now i was comparing it to the 1990 version so as i said last time when we had the um, we put it on, on trial i said it was majorly left to Tim Curry's performance. Did so, you say Tim Curry's performance was good? I did. Podcast? I said to Tim Curry's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You might have missed it, but I, I said he gave a very good performance. Uh, but it was it was left to his performance. Really, the clown makeup wasn't terrifying. It, he just looked like a normal clown. As I said before, if you would have bumped into him in the street, you wouldn't have been automatically terrified unless you had a phobia of clowns. And the, his first kind of introduction to Georgie is quite a bit innocent, even though he's in the sewer. It's a case of, oh, uh, oh, your, your boat's come down here. Do you want it back? His acting is a bit innocent. You Thank know, you, sewer clown. I would love my boat back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd get the boat from yeah, Tim and, you know, and, and Georgie says, like, oh, I'm not, oh, I'm not really supposed to speak to strangers. And he's like, oh, but, you know, I'm, I'm Pennywise, the dancing clown. You know me. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm Pennywise, the dan- you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then, you know, like, and then when he, he lures the hand in, you know, it's whatever. But in this new one, it was a case of the first time you meet Pennywise, the clown, you know, the same thing happens. Georgie's trying to follow his boat and then the boat goes down the sewer and then, you know, the clown appears and he is creepy as shit. You know, <laughs> it, it is. It is. The, I was like, pretty unsettled. This, this, this thing, you know, with all cracked makeup and like glowing eyes and like weird teeth. It's like, ah, so you know, it's, it's already scary. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't I mean, matter if he's a clown or not. Yeah, there's, there's no way, there's but, no way that that kid would have been able to keep up a conversation that long with that clown, you know, so that was, that was my main bugbear. You, you, you had a very good point. Cause I, to be honest, I was so scared that the CGI, I didn't quite register with me until Gav said afterwards. And it was, he did have a point. Sometimes you are like, maybe they should have just left it a bit more to Bill Skarsgård and just being, you know, let him be scary. Did feel like they messed up a little bit too much with it, mm. but you had a really good point about the like the eyes. Like, yeah, they do do some interesting things with Pennywise eyes, and you know they they think they are actually sort of um, you know changing. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but you know they, they change a little bit. When I look back, when you think back to the Tim Curry, he did do his eyes really well in the first one, and actually, I think sometimes it's scary if you leave it real a little yeah. bit. So. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't stop me being scared. But it, yeah, it would have been possibly. I don't know. Might have been a little bit better if a, a little less CGI. Yeah. Know, I'm looking forward. To it. I mean, CGI. Oh, I, yeah. I can sympathise with a CGI balloon. Have you ever tried to persuade a balloon to go where you want it to go? <laughs> you just floated across you? a room. They managed in 1990 to do it. <laughs> but balloons do not cooperate. It's just true. trying to get a balloon to float across a room would be a nightmare. If I was the director of that, after about 50 or so it's takes, great, yeah. I'd be like, 
fuck it. How much? CGI. Yeah, but, yeah. But do it. Yeah. How much? Well, oh, only only twelve million. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. screw it. Yeah. I've, I've been here for three days trying yeah. to get this balloon shot. Let's just CGI. It but, also uh, sounds like you have plenty of money left over. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine how many balloons are going to be in this the sequel, considering that you know. I imagine they're probably going to get twice as much of a budget, if not more. Yeah. No, they will. Yeah, they yeah. will actually. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 it's interesting to see who's going to. My first thing is who's going to play the older child children. Yeah. I hope you know. I hope they don't get really, really well established actors. I hope kind of they go for a bit more obscure. Yeah, because I think it works better in a horror film. If yeah, you're not, you know. I think that's a that's a trope that's that's quite it's seen quite a lot in horror films is that they have kind of up and coming actors or actors that you wouldn't know a lot. So when you watch any of the remakes of like Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, but even the originals, you know, it, like they, at the time, there were actors that you didn't really know, and it was giving them a chance to, you know, kind of show what they they had. Um, so it would be it would be good. What I wouldn't want to do is, you know, if it became like, oh, you know, here's Leonardo DiCaprio and here's Christian Bale and yeah. here's, you know, it's all these already all established yeah. because you don't really need that. I mean, it's it, it's got enough selling potential with with the story and with. Bill Skarsgård, I reckon people are going to oh, yeah. watch it I'm for really Pennywise. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a, a, a nobody actor makes you feel like it could be you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Whereas you can't be Leonardo DiCaprio, you yeah. know, much yeah. as I'd love to be. Yeah. Not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, so uh, out of ten, what would you give him? I'd honestly give it eight. And I, I, I never give... Yeah, I'd... I'd yeah, it's true. He does not like most things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably agree. You know, I think a solid eight out of ten. I thought yeah. it was a tremendous horror film. I absolutely, as you said, I love horror films. I watch at least three a week, yeah. and yeah, it was it was definitely great. I think I think what my main issue was is that I just set it up too much. You know, and too much. Time. It wasn't going to be as great as I thought it was going to be because I was going to go in and say maybe this will be the film that finally scares me. But that's just I'm going to accept that that's just not going to happen. Never, you know, and I should just appreciate it and what it is. And it was a very, very, very good horror film. It, yeah, just had the bedrock of Stephen King's great book, so it's you know does set it up well. Yeah, definitely. And I've just been shown that it's uh, eight point two out of ten on IMDb. Ah. So we're not too far early off. Early day, early days though. Yeah, normally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all the cynical hermits that didn't want to pay to go and see it at the cinema will crawl out eventually. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for the news. Yeah, I nailed it. Nailed it. Absolutely. I'm nailing it week after week here. Okay, uh, so right, I think we're going to move on to the trailer of the week and we were all frantically once again looking around for trailers and then we remembered that there was one in the cinema just before we saw it mm. which was the trailer for Mother by Darren Aronofsky yeah uh, so wait. has everybody seen that trailer mm-hmm. Austin have you I have not so usually when Joel hasn't seen it he just lies and says he has <laughs> sorry it just agrees with everything that we <laughs> can said can we do that again <laughs> <laughs> so Austin have you seen the trailer Yes. Okay, right, yeah. You're getting better, Te- man. You're textbook, getting better. Yeah. <laughs> textbook, Joel. So, so, Dave, what did you think about the trailer of, uh, on your initial watch? Yeah, I, I'm excited about this. This could be really good. I mean, I quite like Darren Aronofsky. I know quite a few people think he's been a bit hit and miss. I think this could be really, really quite a good film. The cast looks incredible. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, mm. is one of the best actors working in Hollywood right yeah. now. Ed Harris, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, it, it, have you about them? Um, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's yeah. a great cast. I have, no, how can it go wrong? I was about to say, I've, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, but it looks good. Yeah, it looks yeah. good. 
So, uh, Austin, what? Oh, you haven't even seen it, so I don't know why I'm asking you. <laughs> look, 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 it looks so, terrifying. You can only take that so far, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, your delivery before was so convincing. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, Alex, uh, you were there in the cinema with me, so you should hopefully have a similar sort uh, of yeah, idea. Yeah, I, d- I did do a thing which I'm starting to do with trailers now, which is about halfway through, I could see they were going to start revealing too much, so I actually put my fingers in my ears yeah. and tried to sort of go blah, 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 to not, to not, just, you know, just the end bit when it starts, you know, when it starts doing the images really quickly. And it just shows so much, but yeah. no. But I loved it. I lo- really loved the start of a trailer. Like Dave was saying, love Javier Bardem. Loved a great cast. Also, just loved Darren Aronofsky. Like Requiem for a Dream. I wouldn't. It's hard to say it's my favorite film because it's such an intense experience. But it's like and Black Swan have both been incredibly affecting films. Like have literally great cinematic experiences that like you come away sort of like staggering. So I think if he's doing this sort of horror psychological thriller. I mean, I'm absolutely in. Like, can't stop wait. me if I'm wrong. He did the wrestler as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's without. I'd be honest. I would have my favorite of his. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also did Noah. Anyone? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Moving on. From <laughs> that, yeah. No, I, it's yeah. an interesting way to spend an incredibly large amount of money. That's what I was saying. Oh yeah. Was it? Was Anthony Hopkins in that? Yeah. He was Noah's father. Was he or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. It just basically looked like he was getting high in the forest for most of that film. That's exactly. Yeah. It's probably what you needed to do to get yeah. through the film. Yeah, you're just filming him, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> Didn't even know he's being filmed. He was just living as a hermit these days. I must admit that I've I've got Black Swan on Blu-ray and I've never actually watched it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and you know, this is me. I've got loads of time for films. I just yeah, yeah. I've never got around to watching it. It's all right. The wrestler's better. Oh, oh. no, I'd say Black Swan's so good. I'll probably never watch it again in my life. Really? Honestly, it was yeah. I found it very intense. That is such a bizarre statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, with regards to, uh, to uh, it just reminds me. There's a time that uh, you and I got really drunk in a, in a park, and then you which, ended, which time <laughs> you ended up getting attacked by a real life swan. <laughs> I was just wondering if watching the film has maybe brought back some horror. Experiences. <laughs> yeah, it's not about swans. <laughs> right, <idea>. okay. <laughs> uh, no, so, uh, the trailer for the mother, I thought it started off as Alex said, really, really good. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, Rosemary's Baby. It's this mm, sort of really yeah. kind of eerie, creepy sort of scenario of you know, there's, there's two people here and they welcome a stranger into their house yeah. and then they overstay their welcome and then their wife comes along and then before you know it, it's like sort of, I think. Um, I've forgotten who's, who's in it now. John, Jennifer Pfeiffer. Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is, is trying to get pregnant, or I don't know. I, the trailer actually didn't give too much away. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell exactly. Yeah. It's hard to tell exactly how this plot's going to go, but it looks like they take on a lodger, Ed Harris, who then invites his wife, and they didn't yeah. have a clue he was married. Yeah. And then they start inviting more people. That's and what's going on? Yeah, right, yeah, like, yeah, is yeah. it are fears real? Are they imagined? Uh, probably. Yeah. 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 But I will. I will. I will say that it was very funny to be watching this trailer and then to turn around and see Alex with his fingers in his ears and his eyes closed, literally going, bah, 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 yeah. bah, bah. get used to it because I'm doing it all the time. Now. Did, <laughs> did, people, did people just think you were scared of the horror film trailer? I, I, like, I had my fingers in my ears. They were just like, <laughs> he can't even make it. He can't even make it through the trailer. It's like, yeah. poor lamb is not going to survive it. <laughs> Which is technically true. <laughs> but I, I will say that he, he was right to do so because it revealed far, far, far too much. Honestly, it felt like I'd watched the film by the end of it. Yeah. It was like, I know everything that's happened, I just need to figure out in which order that they come, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe it was alone in thinking that, but I'm still probably going to watch it because I always do. I, I just like complaining about trailers. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that is uh, drawing a close to the trailer of the week. Uh, without further ado... Alex has been criticised me on my pronunciation. <laughs> without further ado, apparently I say it on every single episode and I say it differently every time. So I think I've heard you say it. 
will bid adieu as well. <laughs> yeah. I think you're mixing them up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say something else. I should, like, but that's my go-to line, I think. So without further hesitation, <laughs> let's move on to the bulk of the show, which is Films on Trial. And this week's film, as I said earlier, is the 1997 sci-fi epic Gattaca. Uh, so... If you've never heard the show before, basically what we do is we take a film and we put it on trial. The film is completely randomised, so we pull it out of a hat and we just go with it. We also pull the roles out of the hat. There are four roles. The role of a prosecutor who is going to be trying to condemn the film onto the shit list. There's the role of the defence who's going to be trying to put the role, uh, put the film on the hit list. And there's also going to be a character witness who gives a bit of opinion to either side of the argument, just throw a bit of weight behind it. And then there is the most important role in the show, which is that of the judge, who will be acting his best to be impartial. Just pay attention here, because you got, yeah, you know, if it was Joel, I'd have a real big problem. But it's, <laughs> it's, you know, you're new to the game, so just fresh slates, blank sheets. You need to be impartial. And yeah, base... does get very angry if you get it wrong, though. Just, just... no, 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 no. Even if you get it right, you get it. <laughs> I'm just a very angry guy. But... So the role of the judge. They will decide which list the film actually lies on, based solely on the arguments that are put to them and not their opinion. So, uh, Austin, just out of curiosity, have you actually seen Gattaca? I have seen Gattaca. Oh, right, okay. So, But it was a long time ago. Well, that's good. So, that's perfect, yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. good, that's good. So yeah, you yeah. have some knowledge of it, but you can't remember yes. if it was good or no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. It was good. Um, <laughs> well, don't don't prejudice your own argument. No, I'm sorry, I just saw that I saw, saw a gap and I jumped in straight away. So as I said before, the roles are completely randomised as well. We pull them out of the hat also, so it might be a case of somebody is is trying to condemn or prosecuting a film that they absolutely love, or is actually defending a film that they absolutely hate. So. I am going to just give a bit of a synopsis about Gattaca, so hopefully freshen up Ozzy's memory here. So, ahem. A genetically inferior man assumes the identity of a superior one in order to pursue his lifelong dream of space travel. This summer... Yeah, okay, so there we go, Ozzy. So uh, what usually happens here is the, uh, the judge will give a bit of a spiel, but I'll just do it because Ozzy hasn't actually done the role before. So... Uh, there'll be um, Alex is going to be the prosecutor you're the I'm the prosecutor so you're going to be the defence I am going to be acting as the prosecution Dave is going to be the character witness so each uh, uh, Alex and I will have one point two points Oh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Yeah, we'll just see how it goes. We'll have a couple of points, basically, and Austin will be steering the conversation. If he sees any gaps, he's going to hastily move us on. So I'll do my best. Without further hesitation. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Austin. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to take a little look and go with the prosecution first. Start with the best, basically, is what he's trying to say here. So I would like to uh, talk about first the plot. So this is just something that I... It is so illogical to me that this might go on as a bit of a rant, but I'll try and keep it as brief as I possibly can because I think the plot is completely nonsensical. 
Uh, I'm going to start off exactly here. So, right, the film is all about genetics. So it's all about kind of genetically modifying your children or your babies before they're even born to give them the best start in life. Because as they get older, they will be privileged if they are genetically superior. And if they're not, if they are born naturally, then they don't get the best start in life. So the film starts basically with Ethan Hawke's parents deciding to have a natural baby. So... They uh, they go against everybody's opinions and they don't go to their local geneticist. They decide to actually have a baby. And when the baby is born, they do a number of tests on it and they pinpoint exactly how and when you're going to die and what your conditions are going to be in later life. So they say there and then that Ethan Hawke has got a dodgy ticker and he's probably going to die of heart failure at an early age. Okay, so... What I can't understand about this is that they can predict to the pretty much to the year that this guy's going to die and from what condition. But at no point in the film does somebody suggest that he actually gets a heart transplant. I mean, <laughs> so science has advanced so much that they can actually predict when, where, and how you're going to die, but they can't actually do anything for you to help. Like heart transplants are pretty much commonplace now, so I don't understand why that wasn't brought up by their doctors then and there, or their geneticist later on, or anybody in the next thirty odd years that he was alive for. So that's my first, <laughs> that's my first point there. Uh, so I mean, it's it's also the geneticist goes through a number of things. The, the parents decide to have another child, but they go, they go through the geneticist this time, and they're talking about what they want. They say they don't want any baldness, they don't want obesity. There's some comments later on about you know how, being able to pick how long your penis is. You know, uh, this is just to me it just seems a bit much. <laughs> so it's the first time you've ever mentioned baldness without some sort of crack. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to rub it in. To be honest, I mean they do say later on that it is illegal to discriminate against genetics. But when Ethan Hawke does apply to be an astronaut, he goes through this kind of whole rigmarole of hiding up his identity and stealing the identity of somebody who is genetically superior. But when he does go for the role at NASA, his application process is literally um, taking a pinprick of his finger, getting his blood, realising that he's genetically superior and saying, you've passed new application. And, and he says, well, what about the rest of the interview? And the guy says, no, that was it. So to me, once again, that is just a bit too much. The fact that NASA, NASA is, is screening people, that an application process, basically saying like, oh, well, you are qualified for the job because you, you know, you have been genetically modified as a baby. It has nothing to do with his knowledge of astrophysics. It's nothing to do with his education or his IQ. It's basically just because he has been genetically modified. It's like somebody kind of uh, going for a job at the hospital and, you know, okay, oh yeah, well, you were a GM baby, so you've got the job. Oh, well, uh, don't I need uh, kind of so many years of, of medical uh, experience? Don't I need some sort of degree? No, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. You can just go into it because, you know, you can run faster than most of the people that are here. Uh, and I mean, how extensive are these checks? NASA do daily checks on all of their members of staff. It's like, imagine you're a teacher and you have to be security vetted, but every single day. And these are really extensive tests. These are like kind of blood tests that they are taking every single, which cost a lot of money. They cost a lot of time and they cost a lot of effort to do as well. And they are being done regularly every single day. I mean, why not just do a random like drugs test? Why not just piss into a, a, a tube every, you know, so many months? But to me, it just seems really illogical. It also seems illogical that Jude Law uh, is the person whose identity is stolen. And on his records, it doesn't say that he has been crippled at any point. 
games. It just says, you know, yeah, he can he can run really fast. I mean, and and there's also the point of, oh, well, Jude Law doesn't look like me, so how can I steal his identity? And then Tony Shaloub, uh, who is is the guy who's arranging this whole um, identity swap, uh, swap, says, oh, you don't actually have to look like anybody these days. You just have to kind of, nobody looks at photos. But every time you see Ethan Hawke being tested, his photo appears on the dashboard, uh, you know, it's and the the fact is that the photo doesn't even look like look like Jude Law either. Uh, right. There's also the thing later on where they can detect scars on your eyes and on your body, but they, but you know NASA not one point detects whether you're wearing contact lenses or not. There's also the kind of the thing about being a manned mission to this gaseous moon off Jupiter, and the fact is that they say that they're not sure what's up there at all. Well, why haven't they sent an unmanned probe up there? I don't understand why they're just the first kind of the first trip that they're doing is a manned mission to this gaseous moon that they they've got no idea what what awaits what awaits them there, and then. When we're talking about Ethan Hawke's character, I just think he's incredibly selfish. I mean, this guy knows that he's got a dodgy heart. This guy knows that he could die at any moment, at a young age as well. And he still goes through this whole rigmarole just to become an astronaut so we can go on this manned mission. I mean, what happens if he is millions upon millions of, of miles away from help and from Earth and he has a heart attack and he puts the lives of his co-astronauts at jeopardy? He's a completely selfish guy. I mean... I mean it's, to be honest, it's just to me the whole thing just seems it seems like a very very good point, a very good idea that it's just ill executed. Fire away to defence. Okay, uh, I'd love to. Uh, you know, Gav's not wrong. You know, again, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to come in here and say that things aren't there that are there. There are plot holes in Gattaca. Yeah, there are plot holes in many films. Actually, when you sort of if you really overanalyze them. Many films have plot holes, especially sci-fi, because, you know, they are, like, putting out a premise there. And if they went to do a film, you know, if they went through everything to try and make it completely, there were no plot holes whatsoever, you'd have a very antiseptic, boring film that everyone could go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, but what was it about, you know? So, yeah, you know, they're talking about, you know, genes being, you know, you know babies are, you know, genetically engineered. Uh that's the theme that people are interested in. You're not watching Attica. You might know, you know, every now and again, you might go, mm, you know, would they, you know, a heart transplant, I suppose. He doesn't have a heart transplant because then the film's not about him. It, it, the, the themes in the film overcome these plot holes and it doesn't significantly affect the way you're watching the film. So when you're watching the film, you are not going, how on earth is this NASA? The administration must be mad on these checks. I am thinking that. No, you're not. Like, there's no way you're doing that. No one's thinking, this this over-vetting, how are they getting through their admin every day? You know, no, the the over-vetting creates tension throughout the film because you're worried about him getting... If you didn't have that, yes, it's a bit of a plot hole, but you did, if you didn't have him being checked every single day, there'd be no tension within the film. So I don't mind them making a little tweak to something that doesn't quite seem... Yeah, you know, maybe it doesn't seem a bit fantastical, even though it's a sci-fi film, but to make tension, you know, to create the tension in the film. You know, the, the, the theme in this film, and this is how, why, you know, you're saying about why can they get through NASA when... Um, you know, if he's looking at the photo, I, I feel like you've missed a little bit, missed the point of Gattaca. By, you know, you were very much looking at all these little plot points. I feel like you've missed the overarching theme, which is about discrimination. So how does he get through? How does he get when people aren't seeing? You know, people don't see him 
don't look at his face. You know, there's a point when people say, you know, people don't look at your photos anymore. You know, Tony Schlub, is it Tony Schlub? Yeah, yeah. Tony Schlub is saying, you know, you could have my face. It doesn't matter. People aren't interested in who you are. People, what you look like, sorry, people are interested in what you are. Like, you know, just your birth. You know, people have stopped caring about each other in this film. And it's complete. The whole thing is that discrimination is blind. And you're saying that Ethan Hawke shouldn't, you're saying that Ethan Hawke shouldn't, uh, is being selfish. Like, no, he's, he's overcoming discrimination in the film. You need to be rooting for the character to overcome that discrimination. So, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think you, you're not wrong. It does have holes. But, it, you know, if, if you're watching Gattaca and you're really, you know, it's incredibly thought-provoking, this film, all the way through. There's so many different themes going on. There's so much, there's so much going on. It's so interesting. But if you're getting bogged down by the little tiny little details, then you've, you've missed the point. Good refutes there. But uh, Gav did mention here about um, Jude Law's character being a cripple and being <laughs> yes. ignored by the, uh, by the science. You know, could, could they have um, fixed his legs? To be honest, like, this is the first time I've, I've thought about it. I just, you know, it, it didn't really, it didn't, pre- it didn't present a problem to me. You know, it, it wasn't an issue for me watching a film. I wasn't thinking, this doesn't make sense, because if they could save us, you know, it's just like, no, I, I just accept the premise, because I've, you know, I've suspended my disbelief when they're engineering babies. Do you know what I mean? I've parked my, is this real, when they're, you know, when it's, when it, you know, when it's saying the not-too-distant future, when I started watching a sci-fi film, you know? So, yeah, no, I mean, you do have to be careful. Sometimes they can bend it until it breaks, but I don't think Attica does, it doesn't get anywhere near breaking it just you know it bends the rules a little bit yeah obviously when you when you now think about it it does seem like yeah of course they should be able to fix jude law but he needed to be you know he needed not to be able to use his legs in the film so yeah screw it i'm, I'm happy you know i can go with it yeah, but you also said that oh yeah people aren't kind of looking past that photo and you, you could have anybody's face but the, one of the things earlier on is they talk about no baldness no obesity so if he was a bald fat guy you know that would be it wouldn't matter like what the photo looked like they'd be like well this guy clearly doesn't look like him yeah i suppose yeah but he, but yeah, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, is that like Ethan Hawke goes through all this trouble to get there. And you know, it is about you know, if you're saying that that's that that's the point in the film, it's supposed to be, you know, like one man overcoming diversity and one man discrimination. overcoming di- yeah. discrimination. It's like well the thing is is that <laughs> overcome diversity. <laughs> overcome diversity. <laughs> I was talking about the dance troupe. <laughs> Which is quite difficult because there's about eight of them. Uh, but no, one man overcoming discrimination. Uh, the fact is that, you know, Ethan Hawke, what, what is his main thing that he's got a dodgy heart? Is that, you know, he, he wears glasses. But at the end of the day, he's just like a, a middle class white guy. You know what I mean? It's not like kind of, he's, he's overcoming that much discrimination within within the guards to uh, you, you his colleagues. You don't think he's overcoming discrimination within Gattaca? Well, yeah, yeah, he, he is, but he could be coming over. Uh, he could be overcoming a lot more discrimination. Like what? If he was bald and fat as well. No, I mean, but that just wouldn't work, though, would it? You know, that's. <laughs> but you're talking about suspension of the disbelief. Yeah, but I know, but I know, but like, no, hang on. I, I feel like we're going around yeah, in circles yeah, yeah. now, in guys. Circles, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask Dave as a character witness and just say about the plot, about the plot holes about the massive expense that NASA is spending just to blood test people rather than look at people's faces. What, what as an independent, what, what do you think? I, I think Gav is right. There are plot holes aplenty in this, but I think Alex also has a point that you can look past most of them. I think they're part of a bigger picture, and it is the, the, what the film stands for, that metaphor of overcoming the, this kind of um, 
these barriers in your way. And it's, it's right. Alex is absolutely right when he says no one's looking at his face. It's just on the surface as a guy, he's, he's slim and he's got hair, as, as Gav points out. He fit, on the surface, he fits in. Let's not look too closely. The mm. picture is, doesn't look like Jude Law. It doesn't look like Ethan Hawke. It looks like neither of them. And yet no one questions this picture. Why? Because we're looking at it thinking, hang on, that, that's, that's neither of them. What's going on here? And it's just like no one cares about his face. No one cares who he is. And in, in our society, you're right, Ethan Hawke wouldn't be coming over adversity as a good-looking mm. middle-class white man. Yeah. In their society, he is, and I think that's kind of the fish out of water thing. It's just like um, it is. This this guy's normally on top, you know. In American society, he'd be set for life. He's not. He's right down the bottom of the pecking order. And it's it, the fact that the thing, there's nothing seemingly wrong with him. It's just he, from the word go, his parents kind of felt like, oh, we made a mistake in having a natural conception here. We should have gone straight to a geneticist. They got a little brother. They said it was for someone for him to play with. It wasn't. They wanted a perfect child. And he's, from the word go, he's, he's had to live in his little brother's shadow. You know, his little brother is, is outgrowing him when he's two years younger and things like that. And that's where his, his drive comes from. And it's, um, I forgot my point, actually. Sorry, just to, like, just to interrupt, just you saying that then just made me think, it's, it's almost like in the film, no one sees anyone else. Everyone sort of, no one connects, no one really sees anyone else. It's just what you are, it's just like... You know, it's just what, exactly. you know, what your DNA my, says My point has just come back to me, actually. My point yeah. is there's actually seemingly nothing wrong with him. He's already said he's outlived his life expectancy. Yeah. He says to Uma Thurman after, he, after she's just found out that, um, that he has been impersonating someone, he kind of points out... Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gav. Ready to throw me off base. <laughs> he, he says to her, it's like, you know, I'm already 10,000 heartbeats past my life expectancy. And there's... Is this guy actually going to die? Did they make a mistake? These, yeah. For all this talk about, oh, we can make the perfect person, we can make a g- genetics of, uh, to a point where this person will have no defects. It's like, was there actually anything wrong with them? Did they get it wrong? Well, Is this a really actually very flawed system and they're not as good as it as they think they are? G- gigantic spoiler here coming up, so you might just want to cover your ears for 20 seconds if you haven't seen Gattaca. But uh, Gore Vidal says, you know, I've, got, I've not got a violent bone in my body in the film, you know, because you can check my record. I wouldn't have killed him. And it turns out at the end he is the killer. So there is clearly something. Well, Vidal also says when they're questioning, when they're looking around um, Ethan Hawke's desk, Jerome's desk, he says, "I don't know why you're looking at this guy. He's one of our best." So therefore, all these people that are his colleagues that have been genetically designed to be superior to him, he's actually holding pace for them. He's actually surpassing some of them. There's nothing wrong with him. It's like genetics. Although they make this big song and dance, they're not getting it right. And I think that's the point of the film. It's to provoke it's, discussion. I feel like uh, I feel like you've had a lot of uh, uh, time here. Sorry, defence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let prosecution Sorry, jump in yeah, because yeah, I think yeah, Gavin's yeah, yeah. been patiently trying to jump in. There, so. That's the first time any, anyone's ever said Gavin's being patient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say. So I, that bit always it always struck a chord with me. That when Govardhan says, oh, "I don't have a, a murderous bone in my body," it's almost like you can kind of. It, iron out or like kind of when you are uh, genetically choosing your child you can say well I don't want him to grow up to be a murderer you know you know it's that that doesn't, that doesn't work you know what I mean you can say okay yeah boldness you know that's hereditary yeah that's fine but you know I no, I don't want him to be a murderer that's you can't you can't kind of say that to your geneticist you can't prevent that from happening it's no you can't because it's not real Take take out the <laughs> angry gene. Just, <laughs> just take out the angry gene. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Take out the murder gene. But that's it. They do make them less emotional. It's like they, they make them less prone to depression and things like that. So they do actually, and that's why they are kind of robots walking around. They are kind of emotionless. So maybe they have lost their any sense of psychopathy or anything like that has been taken from them. 
Yeah, well, you know, early on, as you said, when they're choosing what traits the baby should have, everyone says, oh, yeah, we th- we've taken out the depression, but nobody told the cast that because they <laughs> seem to be walking around the, the Maybe most they took out more people. emotions than that. Maybe they yeah, took yeah, out yeah. their empathy, you know, whatever it is yeah. that they're missing because they are walking around like robots. Good, because, well, um, I think that's point one dealt with pretty well. Uh, point two, I'm going to let the prosecution go first. And uh, No, sorry, prosecution went first last time. Yep. Defence can go first this time. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, my thing that I really love about Catechin, sort of when I, you know, before I watch it, the thing that really comes into my head is I think that I think it's directed absolutely fantastically. I think there's there's so many elements in this film that are absolutely brilliant. Um, I feel like the locations they picked are very, very interesting. I, I think I like the way it's shot. I like the where it's filmed. I like, you know, where it's done. I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure what the budget of the film was, but I don't think it was particularly high. I'd imagine most of it went on actors' salaries rather than actual. I mean, there's not a lot of, not action sequences for not you know but they they've picked fantastic sort of dystopian odd places that just really really set the film fantastic is and it also brings out I, I think a lot of what the film is talking about is like how antiseptic the future is and so you know people aren't emo you know people aren't connecting people aren't emotional it's because like perfection almost and these buildings look perfect you know what I mean the the angles to them the rooms they live in, the concrete walls, they're kind of absolutely perfect, but there's something missing, and it's kind of like a soul missing out of it where people don't connect with people, do people don't feel like they can actually sort of, you know, you know, be 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 at ease with each other. And actually this perfection is that you see in the film and you think, oh, that's an interesting show. You know, it actually is kind of soulless, which is what it's going for, you know, and I think it really does that. I think it does it really well. Uh, I like the way in as well in the sort of in the production, they have kind of like old cars. They're dressed in sort of old, you know, they've sort of juxtaposed with this sort of modern architecture. They've got these old cars. They've got these sort of old clothes. I think, I'm not sure if, if you'd agree, but it, it just made me think that it was kind of like McCarthy era times, you know, like we know times when, you know, people, you know, the red scares when people were sort of being repressed and people, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, it made me think of that. And that, you know, it's sort of the times when people were afraid to speak, you know, when it was very much, you know, it was, you couldn't really go away from the line, you know, the sort of the party line. Um, and I think everything it does just brings out the, 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 um, the discrimination theme again, just, just all the way through it. I just think it's, but I just think that that is just done so well, and I think it's brought out in the in the locations. I think it's brought out in the music is fantastic. Who's the, who does the music? Uh, Michael Nyman. Michael Nyman. I think the music's absolutely fantastic. I think the acting is good. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm you know, I think Gav, Gav smiling. Gav smiling. I think he's got some points to say about that. But I actually think the um, I actually think some of the acting is fantastic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come out ahead of Gav uh, because. Um, you know, Jude Law is not my favourite actor in the world. I would say that. You know, but I actually think he does something very good in this film, where he does the the, the relationship between him and um, uh, Ethan Hawke is it's a very interesting one, and he does the hatred and the liking well. He sort of hates Ethan Hawke for what he's taking from him and who he is and what he can be, but he likes him as well, and their relationship has de- developed really well. The last line he says to him is so lovely where he says, I got the better end of a deal here because I just lent you my body, you lent me your dream. It's like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, way, way to bring that relationship together. <laughs> nice, you know, very good work. Uh, I think Uma does a perfect antiseptic arrogance. I think she does that in a lot of films, to be honest, but I think it works. I think she, it, it plays to her, to, to her best things in this. Um, um, yeah, so, and also, I also really, I think it's got a great cast. 
I think it's got a great cast with Alan Arkin playing a really, really good role. It's got Xander Berkeley. It's got Tony Shaloub. 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 Um, you know, it's got Ethan Hawke who is brilliant in this film. And I think because it needed this great cast because it's not, you know, it's not action heavy. There's a lot of scenes of people talking. It needed a really good cast to sort of Ernst, Ernst Borgnine. It's brilliant in it as well. Sorry, I'd forgotten. Um, and Shot names though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I just think, I just think everything brings it all comes together through the direction. I think. I think it was click. It was very much I've forgotten the director's name. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Nichol. Andrew Nichol. I think he really brought it. Um, you know, he, he had all the elements in his head and he brought it together. And yeah, no, I just think it was. A, I just think he did a fantastic job. So, okay, yeah. Gav, how, how, how would you respond to that? So it's really well directed, good acting, um, great, great one-liners. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a really catchy singer that one. Wasn't um, it? <laughs> so, how, how do you feel about the, the sets? Great sets, well shot. Okay, yeah, uh, well I think uh, Bruce covered a lot of ground on this one, so I'm going to try and. Make... You, yeah, you might have to deal with them quickly. Okay, if you don't mind. So the, the direction, I thought. Don't get me wrong, I thought it was visually very good. I think it was very kind of, um, as, as you said, I, th- I read somewhere that they didn't have a great budget. So what they did instead of using kind of uh, paying for like flying cars or, you know, paying for flying cars, I mean, paying for the CGI to replicate flying cars is what I meant. To <laughs> they, are, they are pricey, <laughs> those <laughs> flying <laughs> yeah, Back they in 997, <laughs> they were pricey. Uh, so what they did is he went to the past, you know, he went for the kind of the brutalist look. So all the buildings, like, you know, as you said, really like kind of like almost, I don't know, like cubist, almost very shapely, very striking. All the cars that they were using were like, you know, date back to the 60s. The clothes were like of that era as well. However, to me, it is all style over substance. It looks fantastic, but there's just nothing behind it. And as Alex said, you know, there's some really nice shots in it, but they're all far too drawn out. It's like he stays too long on one scene. It's the, there's, there's a scene where Uma Thurman really wants to show Ethan Hawke the sunset, and you see the sun going down, and it's like, oh, that's a nice shot. Oh, it's still there. Oh no, yeah, it's it's still there. Okay, it's gone on too long now. The same thing with just before that scene happens, Ethan Hawke trying to cross the traffic. That goes on for what feels like forever. And I'll tell you what actually does go on forever is the scene where Jude Law is climbing up the stairs. Now, I know that it's a struggle. I know that he, he can't use his legs and he needs to get up another flight of stairs to answer the front door. And the whole thing is building tension, but it goes on for a ridiculous amount of time. It like, it goes on for about three minutes, which is about a minute and a half too long, to be honest. It just draws it way out. The, the whole thing, to me, is just really drawn out. And when you were saying about the cast, I think it is a really good cast, really good cast. I, I You know, as soon as the names came up at the beginning of the credits, I was like, oh, wow, this person's in it, this person. I oh, can't wait to see what they do, can't wait to see. No, they do nothing, once again. It's a case of getting great actors in and giving them very little to do. You said, oh, Ennis Borgnine's in it, fantastic. He had about six lines of dialogue, if that. Uh, He was criminally underutilised. Then you had fantastic actors like Mayor Rudolph, Dean Norris. I think they had one line in it each. Uh, I mean, you mentioned about Jude Law giving a fantastic performance. 
I mean, come on. Jude Law literally played himself, which don't get me wrong, that's what we're used to now. Um, in 1997, it might have seemed a bit fresh. You know, we might have thought he was giving a fantastic performance before we actually found out that he was just playing himself. But he played an unemotive robot. I know Dave said earlier that everybody's supposed to be slightly robotic, but Jude Law is slightly robotic in everything. You know, he, he hit the big time, but he was in AI and he had to play an unemotive robot, to be honest. <laughs> but he gives a terrible, terrible performance. So hammy. Uh, that that argument that he has with Dean Norris uh, when he, he accuses him of, of um, not being who he says he was once again that goes on for far too long he's almost chasing him it's like a 20 minute sequence where he chases him from street to street basically shouting at him saying where's your number give me your number that is a bit of an exaggeration <laughs> a 20, 20 minute scene where he shoots him from screen he goes from yeah. street yeah. to street I mean, it's, it's almost yeah, like yeah a slang. Follows people, home. people but, will have seen this film yeah, yeah 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 you've seen the deleted scene like Dean Norris gets home and it's like <laughs> Where it's like, how was work? I've warmed up some food for you. Jude Law's banging out the window. What's your number? <laughs> uh, Uma Thurman, very, very, very vacant performance from her. Uh, I just thought there was, there was just nothing. I understand. I don't get. I, I honest, don't get me wrong. I can see. I can see that it's supposed to be this futuristic vision where everybody is a bit withdrawn, but this is just far too much withdrawn. There's just no emotions behind it at all. There's no, and, and, and you know, you could say, oh, well, she's supposed to be like that. Ethan Hawke's supposed to be like that. Jude Law's supposed to be like that. But every single character is supposed to be like that. It's hard to connect with any of these people when the performance that they're given are so stone cold. Ethan Hawke as well, I think he's a fantastic actor. But in this, it, once again, he's very withdrawn and I don't know if that's the actual director's point. He's trying to make Ethan Hawke blend in and try and be a bit cold and robotic. But the fact is that he just, even the times when he's not in, in within NASA and he's with his colleagues, he's still long, you know, just sort of cold and robotic. And the, the, the relationship between them, I find it really hard to believe that Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke met and fell in love on this set because the relationship between them is ridiculous. It's like that of a, uh, of a stone and a tree. There's just nothing there. It is, it is Greatest just... love story ever told. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the stone and the tree. Have you not heard it? <laughs> uh, once, once again, I just want to talk about the Bechdel test. I haven't spoken about that for a while, mm. but it fails it miserably. Uma Thurman, you know, she's not the only female that's cast in this film, but she's the only one with more than three words of, of dialogue it is criminal how little females are in this film uh, as, as I said you know the Bechdel test is supposed to be two women talking uninterrupted for a minute about something other than a man and there's there's not another woman that has more than three lines of, of dialogue three words of dialogue even that and I've mentioned this before I mean we can probably go into debate this a bit more but I didn't think that it was a very ethnically diverse cast as well uh, so I've ticked both boxes if you're playing Gav Bingo at home <laughs> I mentioned both racism and sexism but uh, yeah I, I don't think it was a very diverse cast at all I mentioned the point before we actually watched it because it had been a while since I watched it. Or well, I say a while, it was like a month ago, but I was wallpapering so I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so I had to watch it again. And, and, and before we, we started watching it again, I said, I seem to remember there not being a, a very ethnically diverse cast. And I don't know whether that was the director's point or whether it was just kind of, you know, them just casting white actors. And, you know, I thought well, maybe he's trying to say something about our times and our society and the fact that in NASA, uh, well, you know, in the future, everybody is discriminated against because of genetics. And so in NASA, we'll just have predominantly white people and or, or predominantly white cast. And that can be some sort of social commentary on how now the middle class white people seem to get the, the best of everything, you know, and 
everybody else is discriminated against. I, I thought that was some sort of social commentary, but watching it back, it wasn't the, the case. There were quite a lot of uh, African-Americans and Asian-Americans who, who were working there as kind of background extras. But when it comes to a cast, an actual uh, somebody uh, of, uh, um, of African-American origin, uh, Asian-American, very little with regards to lines. I think there was uh, maybe two, three characters at a push that had dialogue and they weren't very long. I think they were about like two or three words, to be honest. So once again, not a very ethnically diverse cast as well, which, I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying that it's solely Andrew Nichols' fault. Yeah, do, like, do you mind just if I interrupt? No, 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 just, very yeah, quickly. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief. Just, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. This is kind of like beyond the argument about the podcast. I just think it's an interesting... Like, I, I, do, I do agree that it's not ethnically diverse. There aren't speaking parts it's mainly you know it's all i think nearly all the speaking parts are for white people and mainly men i I do agree with that but i also think that you know we're doing you know it's much more you know we're striving towards more ethnically diverse cast you know we're just talking in the news we're getting much better well hopefully we're sort of marching towards it a little bit but back in the day yeah you know casts weren't ethnically diverse and you know in the day this is 1997 (laughs) 20 20 years ago now yeah 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 but it's 20 years ago and like I'm just saying that there's many, many films that you could say weren't ethnically diverse. I'm not saying that it's okay at all, and I'm saying that they should have. I'm just saying that it was a problem throughout the whole of Hollywood, and it's not... And you know, it's, I hate to break it to you, it's still a problem now. Yeah, yeah, well, no, Craig, come on, gonna... you don't need to break it to you. Like, I know <laughs> it's a problem now. But, like, I, I'm just... You know, I'm, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying it's, like, big, for example, with Tom Hanks. That's not an ethnically diverse film, but, you know, it... It, it is a point, but it's not. <laughs> all the films. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break in here, guys. I'm gonna. If I had a gavel, I would be hitting it, <laughs> calling for order. I'm gonna speak to Dave, character witness. How do you feel about the many, many topics that have just been dealt with? Um, uh, to bring them, to bring them all uh, so into start with big. Big. Well, yeah, I, I love big. I'm with Alex on that one. I love big. <laughs> now, um, everyone's in agreement. The film looks good. It does look very good. The direction is excellent. The cinematography is excellent. The set design is excellent. And it sounds good. I'm pleased Alex brought up Michael Nyman. The score is superb. It's a really beautifully written score. You have generously states that, you know, the uh, the issues with diversity, I hate this to be like four middle-class white guys sitting around a table solving the problems <laughs> of the world, but seeing as it was raised, it's it, maybe it is um, a social commentary of sorts that the cast isn't that diverse, and, you know, in terms of race and in terms of gender. Maybe he's making a point, maybe he's not. I think that's on a personal perception. What do you think? Is he making a, a comment on that, or did this just actually happen? I, they- I don't think it's a comment at all. I literally just think it's it's a case of, of he's just hired a, a white cast. And as I, I, said, I would agree, to be honest. I, I don't think it's it's him. I, I, I completely, honestly, utterly agree with, with Alex. You know, it's it's not a case of... Uh, uh, it's not a case of one person doing one bad thing. It was a case of everybody was doing it and still is doing it. And it's it's just a case of that was the norm or, as, as I said before, that is the norm and it just shouldn't be the case. And I thought, you know, after watching the first time, that was sort of half watched it, I thought, you know, like maybe he is making that comment. But after we sat down just before and watched it again, I don't think he is at all. I think it's just a case of, you know, just cast people that he knows or likes or, you know, us white men. Well, like I say, that's personal perception, and that's gaffs. <laughs> <laughs> what about the so on on the great shots? The style of a substance was gaffs. Uh argument there i think this um i would no i'd say it, it's very honestly that it's it's um it is quite drawn out but i think that was what he was kind of going for it, it depends if that's your kind of thing if you'd like to see beautiful cinematography in a film or if you just wanted to cut to the chase and get to the point that's 
personal preference. Can't we have both? <laughs> maybe we can. Maybe we can. Maybe one day we will, Gav. Maybe. <laughs> and, uh, one, one last thing I'd like to hear from the character witness about was just uh, the underuse of great actors. Yeah, Ernest Borgnine is criminally underused, but then you could have like a ninety-minute film around him, and I'd say he was criminally underused. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the the cast. I think Ethan Hawke does a very good job, and then again, there's the other argument, like Gav said, that you could argue that. A lot of the characters there, because they are supposed to be the genetically superior and have lost a lot of their emotion, they're actually playing it perfectly. They're playing it just how the director intended and how they uh, meant to deliver it. Again, that's down to personal perception. What's your argument on that? I've got to admit, Jude Law does not give the performance of a lifetime in this film. He's not god-awful, but he's not particularly good, and it's quite a pivotal role that I think could have gone to a stronger actor. Good, good. Thank you. Thank there you. is a point where Jude Law is recounting his accident and he's saying, you know, well, you know, when I got run over by that car and I was crippled, I actually stepped in front of it on purpose. And I think that required a more emotive performance because he literally delivers it like he's reading the ingredients of a, a crisp packet. But, but then there is that argument there that because he is genetically superior and maybe things like empathy and emotion have, have kind of taken a, a knock. So there is an argument to be had there. Again, personal perception, I think. Thank you. I've got Which he then carried on into every <laughs> okay, other film okay. he's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> order, order. Okay, that's uh, that's plenty, plenty of food for thought. There. Let me uh, let me compose my my notes and uh, and I'll get thinking. Uh, Alex, did you want to have a bit of a closing argument? Anything just else? That, you a want brief, to... a brief closing argument. Very just briefly. To, okay. Just that I will be, help me summarize. I'll be very brief. Um, just. To go back to like sort of what Gav started off, the thing is, you know, yeah, there are problems with the film. It's not a perfect film. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, it's an absolute five out of five stonking classic. It definitely should not be anywhere near that shit list, though. It should not be anywhere near that. It needs to be on the hit list because it's a thought-provoking sci-fi film. And I, I, I genuinely, I think of Gattaca when I think of films that I would like. I'd like to see films like Gattaca more. I want to see an interesting premise that's done well, got good actors in it. Um, that is thought-provoking and is good sci-fi. You know, good sci-fi is, is something that sort of introduces something that, you know, is slightly... And how would the world react? It's not big action-packed. It's 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 just... Very, it's lots of good food for thought. And I, I wish we made more films like Gattaca. Okay, okay. And Gavin? Gavin, closing statement? I'd like to say that I, you know, sort of kind of see what Alex is trying to say here, but to me, it just seemed like Andrew Nichol had a point that he wanted to make, but he just didn't make it properly. It's like he was inspired by A Brave New World or Fahrenheit 451. He was inspired by these great literary, literary classic uh, dystopian future visions, and he wanted to kind of come up with his own, and I think he had this big statement there about oh, what if in the future uh, genetics are privileged more, that you know, people who are genetically modified are privileged more than those who aren't and I just think that there was too many plot holes and maybe it was a case of he didn't spend enough time looking at the script maybe it was a case of there was too many tweaks by other people but I just think that as I said before there were far far too many plot holes just stuck out like a sore thumb at some points. I think the delivery, as Alex said, you know, is visually nice but it is just a bit pretentious for my liking it is just too pretentious it's like here's something that's really nice and I'm going to concentrate on it for too long. It's going to be too drawn out. And I, I, you know, Alex is shaking his head here because <laughs> oh, we mouth, always criticise him. Swear words. <laughs> we always criticise him for liking pretentious films and not liking anything oh, else. And I think this is a case. It's, it's not case pretentious so. if it's actually clever. It's not pretentious. <laughs> I, I think it, it tries tries too hard and doesn't. It doesn't deliver. Uh, and with regards to the cast. As I said before, I think some of the really good names in there but are criminally underutilised, underused. And the ones who are used, 
quite a lot, don't deliver. I think they have these really cold performances and it's not really supposed to be that way. I mean, I mean, it's you know, Andrew Nichol could come on the show and could argue otherwise, but I'm sorry, but I, I just... hope he does if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so overdrawn, drawn out, and pretentious. Okay, uh, so Austin, uh, just to give you a few moments to collect your notes and collect your thoughts, I thought we could have a brief interlude here where we do a bit of trivia. So Alex, what is your piece of trivia for this film? Uh, so I was looking, trawling through you know, all my places of finding trivia, which is basically just IMDb, and I found that actually when Gattaca was first released in the marketing campaign, they, they would actually created adverts that you could imagine were in Gattaca for people to genetically engineer their children. And they actually found that thousands of people called the advert wanting to genetically engineer their children. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting little bit of trivia. We didn't see that happening. So, How many does it say? Uh, thousands, it said. Oh thousands of people wanted to genetically engineer their children. It, it's funny you should say that. There's not the, I read a, a review of Roger Ebert about uh, Gattaca, and he said, you, you know, you could ask how many people are going to want to genetically engineer their own children at the end of this, and he said, about as many people that would be comfortable taking a random shot at buying one in 100,000 used cars. Yeah. Everyone's going to want to pick. Everyone's yeah, going to yeah. want to get yeah, the best yeah. they can get for yeah. their money. He says, with regret. He says, we were born at the right time because it's not a reality, but you, know, you can I, see, you can believe people doing this. I won't, don't worry, Judge, but I just want to, I just want to keep discussing Gattaca because I just like, not even like on the podcast, I just find it so interesting. I'll, 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 I'll refrain. Yeah. Interesting and pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving swiftly on, I think it's time for another edition of Quiz Dave. Yeah. Uh, so, as you know, I've been working on a few songs, so uh, I think that I've reached my pinnacle here <clears throat> it's like quiz it's like that it's like quiz it's like that it's like quiz it's like that it's like quiz i i i want that at my wedding it ain't, it ain't nothing but a quiz thing <laughs> so uh so Gattaca, NASA did a poll a few years ago of influential sci-fi films, both good and bad, and Gattaca does feature on that list. I won't tell you where it features, but there are a number of films on that list, ranking from the best to the very, very worst of all the sci-fi films that have been and gone. And so I'm going to name a few films, Dave, and you've got to tell me whether NASA actually liked them or didn't like them. So is this in terms of realism or is this in terms of influence? Or? This is in terms of realism. So realism, this is, this, okay. is, uh, this is a sci-fi vision that could happen. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you seven films and you've got to tell me whether they are deemed realistic by NASA or not. I didn't come up with a funny title. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will make up for it next week, I promise. Okay, so number one, Armageddon. Is it a realistic vision or not realistic? I'm going to say it's about as unrealistic as it comes. Okay, uh, Austin? Yeah, I'm going to say unrealistic as well. Uh, yes, it was their number three most unrealistic vision of the future. <laughs> so it's not as un- the most unrealistic as it comes. And <laughs> no, it's, no, it's worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two worse. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so a, a story about a giant meteor that floats its way to Earth and is blown up by an oil-wrecking crew. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Okay, so number two, Jurassic Park, Dave. <laughs> um... I, I, my heart says realistic, but yeah. no, my, my head says that's unrealistic. Okay, Austin. Uh, likewise, I think I'm going to say it's number two on the on the most unrealistic. Okay, 
Um, well, you're all bitterly disappointed. It is number seven on the most realistic. <laughs> my my heart just soared. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. delighted. Wow. Yeah. Really? We're very, very realistic. NASA says we're a step closer to those dinosaurs, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so Jurassic World may be not just a terrible film going forward, but a reality. <laughs> reality. So. <laughs> okay, so in uh, number three, we've got the uh, cloning film. Um, not just one, Arnie, but two. The Sixth Day. Um, I'm going to say unrealistic. Okay. I'm going to say realistic. Yeah, I'm going to go with realistic as well, yeah. Okay, yeah, so your thoughts that maybe, you know, you can clone dinosaurs, you'll be able to clone people in the future, and that's yeah, thought the yeah, same. I understand why you've gone for that. Uh, no, no, that's not the case. NASA thought that it was very unrealistic. <laughs> so cloning people isn't possible, but cloning <laughs> dinosaurs. It's, it's, it's much it's easier. It's up there. So, much so easier. This, this is a case of uh, cloning several versions of yourself for stuff like harvesting organs. and. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think they thought that uh, two Arnold Schwarzenegger's was too, too many. <laughs> At least I got that one. <laughs> okay, number four, we've got the film Volcano, which is about a volcano that just uh, erupts in the middle of Los Angeles. Um, I'm going to say unrealistic. I'd say if there's a dormant volcano under a major city, we'd know about it by now. I think unrealistic. I think we do know about it. I'm going to say realistic. <laughs> yeah, I'm you mean, Los you Angeles, mean Donald Trump knows about it. San, isn't it? Is it near San Andreas? Yeah, it's on. I'm, I'm going to say it's near enough it, to have an it will, It's close to the fault line. It's close to the fault line. I'm going to say yes, it definitely will happen. Okay, well, no, it definitely will not happen. <laughs> Damn. It's very unrealistic. These, uh, uh, literally what Dave's just said, you know, that they would know if there was a volcano that was lying dormant. Well they, well, they wouldn't, though, would they? Because, you know, I'm just saying they wouldn't know. They would by now. They, they wouldn't have known when they built it. They're not gonna that would have been a nasty surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't the one, well, maybe not under a city, but isn't the one, is it Yellowstone Park? Isn't that got a massive... That's got volcano? loads. That's got quite a few volcanoes, I think. It's got the one with all the, the geysers in Northern California. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's... It's got at least one, maybe a few more, and I don't think they're all that dormant. Oh, right, right, <laughs> I think right. I think they're due to go off imminently. Any, <laughs> imminently. <laughs> Somebody phone Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, number five, we've got the original, The Thing. So my favourite film here. So it's about an alien being that falls to Earth. That um, has got to be the most unrealistic. Uh, unrealistic? Uh, most I certainly. Think, I think this is NASA. I'm going to say realistic. I, I, I seem to be agree. I, I do, I'm going to say realistic as well. Yeah, yeah. It's realistic, Dave. <laughs> how, happy, how happy were you when you read that? I'm diaries? now terrified. What did NASA know that we don't? <laughs> I was very, very, very happy, to be honest. Yeah, number six. I don't know. Uh, to, be, to be honest, I have watched the original The Thing, and I don't think there's elements of the John Carpenter one there. So the idea of it, it, it becoming an imposter, you know, like kind of uh, taking the shape or form of other people and infiltrating, you know, the world. N- NASA weren't sure about that bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> sure. that's not the bit. Obviously, that was the bit I was judging yeah, it They on. haven't run the numbers on that bit. Yeah, <laughs> Alien dogs, though, I believe. <laughs> okay, uh, so number six, the day the Earth stood still. That is about an, an alien yeah, and is, his robot coming down. No, no, the alien is a robot. It's, it's a, the, the alien lands. And, okay. Um, yeah, that's... This is Gort. Yeah, yeah it's Yeah, no, I don't. I think that's believable. So it's basically about an alien that lands. It's very, very uh, superior technology. And, uh, well, if they're basing it on that, then I suppose realistic. But it's like, who built the robot? There's got to be some kind of the robot's the alien. Yeah, but who built the robot? You know, there's got to be an alien. You know, you, you, mechanics don't evolve. Mm. And this podcast is blowing yeah. my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, circuits don't evolve. Shit. There's got to be some oh, kind yeah, of okay. carbon-based <laughs> life form out right. there somewhere. 
Realistic or not realistic? Uh, not realistic. Austin. Realistic. Yeah, I'm just going to say my logic here is that NASA, if you work in NASA, you desperately want there to be space robots. <laughs> that's, that's why you got a job there, so, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, you're right, it's number four. It's <laughs> realistic. Okay, and number seven, the last one here, is the film 2012, which is basically where everything just went tits up. Uh, that has got to be unrealistic. Film, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure I saw a Dara O'Brien uh, sketch about this where you mentioned Annie, how unrealistic it is. Yep. Uh, so it's, uh, what do you reckon, Austin? Uh, unrealistic. Realistic. Agreed. Okay, uh, well, yeah, you're right. It's number one on the most unrealistic. <laughs> so anyway, um, Austin, have you collected your thoughts by now? I think I have. I think I've, uh, I think I've summed up everything you guys have uh, talked about. Um, so we've got great visuals. Everybody agreed that there were great visuals. We disagreed about how long the visuals went on for, but the <laughs> visuals were definitely great. Um, the general concept was considered massively interesting, and then the delivery of that concept was with the real disagreement. Uh, the plot holes, everybody agreed that there were plot holes, <laughs> and the uh, the extent to which they mattered was what the real argument was. Uh, the cold and clinical acting. Everybody agreed on that, <laughs> but, uh, but but the reason it was there was disagreed. <laughs> it's true. This is a hard one to judge. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know whether the, I'm going to I'm going to take this as part of the uh, as part of the courtroom. But the amazing advert campaign, which we heard about in the trivia, has uh, has really won me over. There, that was a uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's not the film. You've got to base it on the film. Okay, so I'm going to okay, I'm going to scrap that. I'm going to scrap that from my uh, from Let my list. talk. So I, I I do vaguely remember Gattaca, and I remember thinking that was a beautifully shot film. It got me into photography uh, in terms of uh, visuals. <laughs> well, you were the fucking wrong choice for judgment. I would. But listening to the arguments, I do remember being massively bored by the film. I did think it all went on just a little bit long. It was just a little bit too much talking. I'm going to go with the shit list. Oh! Oh, it was very close. It was very close. Oh, my God. I, I, I in no way thought that... Uh, that was going to be the case, to be honest. That 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 is the only one I've lost that truly hurts. Really? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not to, to be honest. Not say, you know, yeah. so yeah. Fair, fair judgment. I do get what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't say Gattaca. I, I've often said, I think, like in the past, I wouldn't say Gattaca's five out of five, and I genuinely wouldn't. I'd say it's for me. It's like a, it's a classic three out of five film. Just does you know? It's not like something that you're gonna. I do know what you mean. It isn't. Not a film you want to watch again and again and again. And it is a bit drawn out, like Gav was saying. I just want to say, thank you very, very much. You're not going to play a goddamn song. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone <laughs> who has believed in me. Everybody who said that Suspiria should be on the shit list. Again, I do want names of people that have believed in you. Uh, there's, there's several. It's, it's uh, too long and detailed to go into now. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, so, wait... I think we should actually get everyone's real opinions here. Alex, I think you've been... Uh, yeah, that, I mean, there. just that's, what I said, yeah. Yeah, I, Austin... I, I think that sums me up perfectly. Yeah, yeah I, I was, that was my job. I was true to myself. Yeah, I, I stand by everything I said. Yeah, okay. Well, you may be surprised to know I actually really like the film. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, the only person who didn't was Ozzy and he was a fucking judge. <laughs> no, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, actually, it was better than I remembered it. It was actually really thought-provoking, stuff yeah. I didn't get when I was a teenager watching it first time around. 
Really impressed. Well, um, so basically, my friend and work has been going on about watching this film for, forever. Uh, just every other week, it was like, you need to watch Gattaca, you need to watch Gattaca. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. If <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just constantly out me to watch Gattaca. And then I watched it, as I said, while I was wallpaper in this room. So it was about like last month. And I didn't actually, uh, you know, I was watching it, but... I was also concentrating on getting my wallpaper up straight, which, as you can attest, I've done a really good job. Yeah, it looks good, man. However, <laughs> you can probably, yeah, I probably should have spent more time watching the film because there was a scene towards the end, spoiler alert, where uh, Jude Law's character commits suicide by... Um, <laughs> Huge spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, crawling into the incinerator and setting himself on fire, and this happens in conjunction with Ethan Hawke finally getting through to the rocket ship and going off on his mission to Jupiter or... or Venus or wherever it was and I I didn't see that bit and they'd gone into the incinerator so I thought that he'd actually wheeled himself underneath the rocket is he a good friend because like uh, it's just, honestly I told him about that he's very angry just when you thought he couldn't get any worse the NASA security is terrible how did that man get on the launch pad <laughs> well to be honest he was a silver medal winning swimmer so yeah just let him through lads let him through <laughs> yeah no where's I, he going I don't know <laughs> yeah I told my friend about this and he was he was very intrigued to hear it and, and then we he found out that it was, it was being the prosecutor and he said you know he's never going to speak to me ever again if it goes onto the shit list oh, <laughs> oh dear I'm sorry that I've ruined your working <laughs> relationship <laughs> what's his name what's his name uh, 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 it's uh, anonymous <laughs> uh, right so I, I, I like, so we've got everyone's opinions what would you think it would score out of 10 on IMDB Dave 7.7 Austin uh, 7.3 I'm going to go above 8 I'm going to say 8.1 okay it's actually Dave, you're very, very close. It's 7.8 out of Ooh. 10. And uh, another ranking system, where do you think it placed on NASA's most believable or unbelievable films? Do you reckon, a, do you reckon it was on the believable show of hands? Or like, well, That's terrible on a podcast. <laughs> show of hands. Dave, believable or unbelievable? Come to me last. Okay, Austin? I think believable, but they'll put it on the unbelievable list. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say very believable. I think NASA would love Gattaca. Okay, Dave. Yeah, I'm pretty sure massive, I stumbled. You know, love it. I'm pretty sure I stumbled over the answer to this one. On. And I think uh, my girlfriend may have mentioned it was the most believable. Yep. That's really? I think wow. it is the most wow. believable, the believable vision of the future in it that's appeared in a sci-fi film. That we're gonna weed out yep. anyone who's genetically inferior. <laughs> yeah, yep. we're gonna step back to the next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that, that's gonna happen. We see that happening. Exactly. We're gonna get in control. Yeah. Wow. You, you, you baldy four eyes. <laughs> we are fucked, Ozzy. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. But like, sorry, just one thing. Did you? So the way it was shot, did that make it a big impression? Again? Yeah, not not really, the film yeah. itself, no, really, but the way it's yeah. shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. amazing. That I, I, I still condemn yeah, the shit. Yeah. It changed your life, but it's shit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's all its I, fault. I based <laughs> it on the arguments alone. Purely the arguments yeah, yeah. alone, but, but, and my lack of being able to watch it at Christmas. Great judge. I think I think we should we should invite you back more. So. Uh, just before we do a close to the podcast, uh, something that we've been doing regularly on the show is the caption contest. So this week's caption was a snapshot from Gattaca. It's the scene where uh, Ethan Hawke is having uh, dental surgery um, delivered by Tony Shalhoub 
and Jude Law is kind of looking over his shoulder very inquisitively. Uh, so we've had, um, t- once again, my own downfall. I left it far too late to put this up. I should start doing it about like a week in advance. So we've only had a few, but we've had some good ones. Um, so the first one is, uh, why did you get no regrets tattooed on your inner lip? <laughs> <laughs> also, um, we've had one here that says, uh, can you just put your phone down for five minutes while I do this filling? <laughs> uh, I'm really surprised that nobody picked up on, um, is it safe? I thought there'd be at least one mention of the marathon man. Like, is it safe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, no. But I think the winner is is actually my friend from work who, who sent this one out. Oh, yeah. Uh, give, is, give him something yeah. from this episode. <laughs> no, to be honest, this is a very, very pointed attack. So obviously, Joel was going to be the judge this week. So his caption is, Joel, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the end, it was pointless because Austin had the step in last minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, Joel actually didn't want to review Gattaca because he hates it so much. So I, I, think, I think I was this wasn't going to go well. No, yeah. apologies to Gav's anonymous friend. It's like, <laughs> a couple of us around the table were on your side. His, his, name, his name's Graham, and he'll, he'll, be, he'll be happy that you've, uh, you've been very nice to him. Apologies, Graham. But, uh, it doesn't matter because your apologies are worthless because the film is on the shit list. So remember that. Great. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we're going to draw uh, this podcast to a close. We have actually picked out the film to be put on trial next week, and it is, once again, it's another suggestion that's been suggested to us by one, uh, one of our friends on Twitter, and it is Bram Stoker's... Dr- Bram almost the entire thing we, no, yeah. <laughs> we agreed we weren't going to do that one. Yeah. Very different yeah, yeah. film. <laughs> Brad Stroker. <laughs> once again, that's put, uh, Joel's porn pseudonym. No, um, Bram... I didn't even say that. Bram Stoker. Big deep breath. It, the next film is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, there we go. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, and we have uh, picked the roles at random. So as the judge, it's going to be Alex. As the defence, it's going to be Joel. And as the prosecution, it's going to be Dave. And that means that I am going to be the character witness. And we will once again be joined by Austin. And hopefully maybe he can uh, speak out next time instead of just sitting in the background <laughs> laughing at us with his uh, headphones on. <laughs> Okay, so just uh, quickly to say thank you very much to everyone who has listened to us, who has followed us, who has given us a like, a share, a subscribe. We really, really, really do appreciate all the nice comments. And just a bit of information about our social media. You can follow us on iTunes. Just type in Films on Trial. You can follow us on SoundCloud www.soundcloud.com slash films dash on dash trial. You can follow us on YouTube, Films on Trial. Facebook, Films on Trial. Instagram, Films on Trial. Anything else? Uh, no, don't think so. Uh, right, there's probably more, but I've forgotten. Just <laughs> type in the Films on Trial on Google and you'll come across it. Also, WordPress as well, Films on Trial. Yeah, we're going to get updated soon. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We're basically taking over the social media world, so watch out, guys. Uh, so, yeah, so if you want to leave any recommendations for any future films, uh, put them on our, our Twitter, um, any suggestions, any comments, if you want to give us a five-star rating, if you want to agree with me about anything that I've said, or if you want to disagree with anything Alex has said, please feel free to do so. Also, just want to give a big shout-out to our graphic designer who makes the hilarious artwork, Winston Sang. You can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at the underscore 
quirks. I have to say that last week's poster for it was my <laughs> yeah, favourite of all. That was so brilliant. Far, yeah. And I've got to point out how unfortunate it is that Joel is centre stage on the Gattaca poster and he's yeah, the one who couldn't make it. I, as I said, I loved uh, the 1990 uh, it. And I was just so happy when Winston told me that he'd kind of photoshopped Tim Curry's actual nose onto my face. <laughs> uh, also, just to say that you can follow our music producer, sound technician, and general guru, Austin Ray, on Twitter. Ozzy Ray, at Ozzy Ray. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> at Ozzy Ray. <laughs> so do that. And uh, please feel free to listen next week when we're going to be reviewing Bram Stoker's Dracula. So thanks guys. Thanks guys. So thank you very much for listening and tune in next week as we will be in your ears. (laughs) Goodbye everyone. (laughs) 